Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, May 10th, 2021, here at Rose of Sharon Baptist Church. Which actually, it's Monday, May 10th everywhere right now. So um, anyway, it is... Uh, <laughs> But we're glad to have uh, have you join us uh, here on this uh, beautiful Monday morning uh, here on Monday Main Point. I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, the associate pastor here. I'm joined with uh, our, the rest of our pastoral staff, uh, Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, Blake Flincham, our children's pastor, and our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy. And here on Monday Main Point, what we do is we just kind of take a look back at Sunday's message and we uh, dig a little bit deeper, ask questions that maybe uh, other people are thinking or maybe you not thinking of them, I don't know. Um, and then we also try to find um, uh, sort of the the practical application for the sermon and uh, just kind of talk a little bit about where where does this sermon interact with our, our daily lives and our other interactions with people. And so that's kind of what we want to do today. And, and uh, yesterday's message was, I'm not going to call it, Jeff, a Mother's Day message necessarily, although I think it was apt for a Mother's Day message. I think um, more so for me, uh, this message sort of falls in, the, uh, in that in the category that uh, of messages that you've been looking at throughout the month of May already, which is this this theme of let us come boldly. And here again, we have yet another person who exhibits this coming boldly to the throne of grace, to the throne of mercy, um, and it's not somebody you would expect it to be. Yeah, and so when I uh, when I was thinking about that, when I came up with the month for the uh, memory verse and all and thought about uh you know as we're re- reopening trying to get people to engage people and talk to them that whole thing about the people see- seeking prayer really came to mind and, and i started thinking about well who would be in the bible that uh, would actually be people that boldly came to jesus yeah and yeah. two people actually came to mind one of them was this woman mm-hmm. and uh another one was the one you did uh your uh, Wednesday night yeah thing on. uh but the other one was the was the young was the um man who's who says, I believe, help my unbelief. So yeah. those, were, those were the two that really came to mind. I thought, well, I'll do some sermons around around those. And if another one comes on my way, I'll throw that in too. So, um, but yeah, she was definitely, and it, it worked out great because um, she was a mother, um, but she was a woman. And then her story could apply to all of us. Right. You could be a person of great faith. Just you would have different situations and circumstances in your life, maybe that brought you to Jesus, right. and caused you to worship Him and begin to follow Him and realize He's the Messiah and all that other stuff. Yeah, so that's so, kind of where where it was coming from and why I picked that lady. So I thought, you know, it's Mother's Day. Um, I wasn't really planning on doing a typical Mother's Day message, but it worked out good. Um, in light of, um, you know, we had a good crowd and had a lot of people mm-hmm. here. And, and I was hoping people would bring uh, their children uh, because I know through, through throughout our church, a lot of people have experienced different things during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so the more people you can get there, that, that brings people that connected to them, knowing their stories and their struggles and what all went, went on in their life during the pandemic, then maybe they would be primed to, hearing a message if they hadn't sure. really thought about it or if they'd been thinking about it. Sure. About, uh, you know, some of their struggles. So. Right. So the title of the message was A Mother of Great Faith, and it comes from, the text actually comes from Matthew 15, 21 through 28. We won't read all that text, but we can just kind of remind you of, uh, or to kind of summarize the story just a little bit, and then we'll talk about the details of it. Um, this is, uh, this takes place in um, um, part of Jesus' ministry. He's gone over into the area of the Decapolis. He's healed that the demoniac we talked about a few weeks ago. 
Um, and he's come back across to the Sea of Galilee to his own hometown where he finds no honor there and he's not able to do anything. So he goes back over to that area of the, Deca the Decapolis. And when he gets there, there's all this large crowd of people who are ready for him to heal because they've heard of what he did for the demoniac. So he goes in this healing ministry, sort of a healing tour, you know, uh, you know, Jesus the healing tour. And so, and, and all these people are coming towards him and, and uh, following him. And he's, um, I think it's in Mark's gospel that talks about him uh, go, trying to find a house where he can stay yeah, secluded. Like you, you, know, you don't really think about it, but maybe Jesus needed a retreat or to recharge. You know, right. we need it right. spiritually. You know, he went to the desert right. uh, before his ministry. Uh, so there's there's times you know that maybe he needed just to kind of get away, right? And, and but at the same time he, you know, especially with Matthew because Matthew is the Great Commission, right? I think he's laying groundwork too as what happened in these regions to get us to the point of the Great Commission where we then go beyond Judea and uh, to the inner, outermost parts of the world. So I think that has something to do with play with right. it. Right. So he ends up in, you know, a beach city. <laughs> they yeah. end up they yeah. end up in Tyre and Sidon. And if you don't know anything about that, that's like Jeff said yesterday, it's closer to where Lebanon is, a good deal away from Jerusalem, probably about what we've talked about here, probably about 35 miles from the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Um, but, but anyway, he's up north, fairly, fairly far north in, in Phoenicia. And this woman approaches him. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll get into the way she approaches him and some of the things she says because I think it's interesting. But she approaches him. Um, she is in a desperate situation. She has a daughter who is demon-possessed. She believes that Jesus can heal her daughter. Jesus, at first, ignores her. Uh, and the disciples just want her gone. They, they say she's bothering us. And she persists and, 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 and falls at Jesus' feet, worships him, says, Help, Lord, help me. And Jesus uh, says, in, in an interesting turn, says uh, something that first you take a look at and when you first hear about it, and we're going to talk about this. Mm -hmm. uh, when you first hear it, you're like, whoa, Jesus, that's, that's, that sounds harsh. Because mm -hmm. he tells her it's not good. You know, I've come for the lost sheep of Israel. Um, and it's not good for me to take the, the, it's not good to take the bread for the children and give it to the dogs. And she, of course, um, she turns around and says, Yes, but even dogs eat crumbs from the master yeah, from their master's table, awesome. and and he says he recognizes and says, you know, that that this is a woman of great faith, um, and he heals her daughter. Now there's a whole lot more that goes on here, and we're going to talk about all that in detail. But let's talk a little bit about this woman because I find her fascinating. Um, the fact that in in the the, the text you used yesterday. Uh, it says a woman of Canaan, and I think it's Mark's gospel calls her a Syrophoenician. Mm -hmm. So we know that she was from that area. She she's Greek, right, Jeremiah? I mean, and mm -hmm. yet she cries out to him, saying, "Have mercy on me, O Lord." First of all, she, she called him Lord, mm -hmm. and she calls him Son of David. When and then she gives her 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 my daughter is severely demon possessed. What's the significance, Jeremiah, of her calling him son of David? Because I think that is significant, and maybe some of our listeners don't wouldn't recognize the significance of that. Yeah, I mean, at first glance, you would think, like, maybe she's just calling him a Jew. Like, that was a common phrase for talking about any Jews. Because David was the most famous Jew, so everyone who came after David, 
But no, I think there's more significance there. I think she is using the messianic term uh, for uh, Jesus um, and son of David. Um, but she calls him Lord and she calls him son of David mm. and she begs for mercy. Uh, and then later we'll find out she's actually kneeling or, or seemingly worshiping him. Uh, so that's very significant for someone who's not of the people of God or at least not um, Israelite or Jewish to to uh, fall down at the feet of a stranger as far as we know they've never met personally and call him Lord and also call him the son of David. Yeah, and I, um, the, the question, the follow-up question I had is, all right, how does this woman who's way up in Phoenicia and is a Gentile, you know, she's not a Jewish, she's not Jewish, how does she even know to call him son of David? I mean, there, there are Jews back in Jerusalem who won't call him by that title because they don't even believe he's the Messiah. And here she is using a messianic title for the messianic hope of Israel and applying it to this Jesus. Like, how would she even know to do that, Jeff? Yeah, when I was doing my research, uh, one of the commentaries pointed out that um, uh, before Jesus did the Sermon on the Mount in Luke chapter 6, that a multitudes come to came to him and they came, and I'll read it to you so you can hear, hear what it says, actually. Um, so he came down with them, stood at a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon who mm. came to hear and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him, and he healed them all. So obviously before he does the Sermon on the Mount, the, the Jewish people through and their synagogue system and hearing and all that, that this person's come, word is spread, and they brought tons of people there mm-hmm. to be healed. Um, when you look at Matthew, uh, brought before the Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew chapter number, uh, number, yeah, number number four, mm-hmm. and the Sermon on the Mount is, is Matthew five. Um, Jesus went to, went all about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sicknesses and kinds of diseases. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond Jordan. So obviously then... Uh, Word had spread out through the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, if you were from Tyre and Sidon and your child came and you, you heard this preacher that everybody's claiming to be the Messiah and they get healed, when you go home, I mean, obviously, you're going to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to the marketplace, the merchants, right. and they're going to say, hey, what, your, kid, your kid was crippled. He's, he's walking now. What happened? The son of David, the Messiah, Jesus, healed mm-hmm. him. So I imagine that's how she she heard about Jesus. That the people, the fame went abroad, right, uh, throughout the regions. And I think it's market actually says she had heard about him. So, yes, yes. So, yes. so so she heard about him. She she knew about him. She didn't know him personally, right. And this is her first encounter with him, right. So. And 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 of course, you know, she might have when she's calling him by this messianic title. It might not even be something she fully understands. Either. Probably not. But that's um, maybe what her friends. From the synagogue that came to her marketplace, might have used those terms. But this gets to, and this gets to what I think is maybe most remarkable about the story, 
is, or, or at least maybe most relatable. Let's put it that way. And that's the fact that this woman is clearly coming from a desperate place. Yes. This is a woman who is desperate. It would appear as though, I mean, she's from Canaan. I'm sure that they had Canaanite gods. They probably have pagan temples and things. One would think that, speculation here, but one would think that she's probably gone to other, other extremes, to other places to try and get healing for her severely demon-possessed daughter and has come up short everywhere. And so now she hears of this, this man and she is desperate and sort of throws herself at his mercy and says, have mercy on me. Yeah, that's what she cries out for, mercy. She cries out for mercy. And then, Blake, we were talking about this yesterday in, in, in our small group. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't really know a lot of people who deal with, quote, demon-possessed kids. I mean, you know... You might think your toddler is demon possessed at times, but but, you're, but but true demon possession, you know, um, we don't see a lot of that, or at least we wouldn't recognize it as such. The closest thing I could think of is um, mothers uh, or parents in general who have children who are um, completely taken by addictions. Yeah. Um, yeah, in our context. In our context. But missionaries have. Yeah. Oh no, I know. I know missionaries have. I'm talking about just in our. Yeah. Our context. You see a lot of oppression. Yeah, right. Um, and 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 so I think about all those parents who, um, you know, I probably can relate to this woman, who have gone to, you know, sent their child to rehab, have um, you know have 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 had them in and out of clinics and things and, and such, and had all kinds of sit down discussions. Try to take them to church, and still nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And so, do, do you think that that, that, that that's a, a place, Blake, where people can relate to this woman? Yeah, I think so, because like you said, in our context, we don't really, I mean, unless you're in a movie theater, we really don't see much of like a demon possession. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we do see a lot of like demon oppression, you know, mm-hmm. things like depression and things like that, some sicknesses that might could come from some outside things and you see that she can really relate because yeah any mother is going to try to get her daughter or son healed and most mothers will go to any extreme it takes necessary in order for that to happen and yeah I think I think there's a great deal of empathy that a lot of mothers can have because they know the struggle they've seen addiction and it's and it's not just lasted for a few minutes or days but it's been months years and you know, it. We can speculate how long this has gone on, but it's probably if she's this desperate, it's probably been a long time that her daughter has been in trouble. And well, you see a great example of going to Jesus. And really, you see here, it was probably her last resort, but really, it should be our first resort here. Mm-hmm. And granted, the contexts are different, but now we have a fuller knowledge, and we should go to Jesus and recommend Jesus to. Everybody, especially ones who are struggling. Yeah, yeah. No, and and, and something else to note about this, um, and, and, and this first point about about this woman who's in a desperate situation and seeking Jesus out of that des- out, out of her desperation, is that apparently, according to Mark's account of this, she didn't just do this one time. Right. This wasn't just a one time encounter. Mark says she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. You mean Matthew? Um, no, this is in Mark. Mark Mark twenty six says, 
woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept, yeah, kept asking, asking him, him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, that, um, uh, so uh, yeah, and I think that's when the disciples entered into the picture. Yeah, because was Jesus kind of like brushed her off or didn't really give her an answer that she really wanted an immediate answer. Right. I think that she probably kept bugging them. So that, that, to that get to him. yeah, and then that was going to get to my point. My next my next thought on that is that. When you first hear about the disciples saying, "Oh, this woman's driving us crazy," you're like, "Well, she just showed up." Like, you, know, like you yeah. think it's just a one time. No, but apparently, been going on. she has been pestering Jesus to do this, and he's not done anything. I mean, he's and and man, that that got, that kind of okay. So let's go to the next verse because because <laughs> this actually, I thought about this. I thought about this when I when when we were going through the story. Um, but the next point was that. The, uh, uh, person of great faith, woman of great faith, mother of great faith, worships Jesus even though their prayers are unanswered. Um, and in Matthew's gospel, it says, but he answered her not a word. Man, you know, Jesus flat ignores her. Uh, and it, and, and, and I, I, I think about that, and I think about like, and of course the disciples are, the disciples are 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 just telling him do away with her, right? Like it's not that and it's it's they the, don't the, really they, have any concern or passion or pity for the woman. They no, just, no, they just they want don't. they just want him to take care of the problem. Either heal the daughter or just send her away, right? Because she's crying out for and us over and over and you over. You know, to be honest, we're we're like that sometimes yeah, too. We when are. people come to us and we pray for them. We're like, okay, God, look, either heal this person or do something. I mean. You know, these people keep coming. They keep wanting answers, and I don't have answers for them. The thing that I think is interesting here, Jeremiah, is that the Bible says he answered her not a word, but his presence is still there. Like he didn't. It doesn't say he walked away from her. It doesn't say that he, you know, he he said go away. He doesn't send her away even. Yeah. His disciples want him to, but he doesn't send her away, right? But I think it's I think it's interesting that even though he's not saying anything, he's still there. Yeah, I think at first glance you you, you hear it and you're like, what is what is going on? I think it's intentional. It looks intentional to me. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we have like you know seven verses of what's going on uh, in two different books, uh, two different uh, kind of perspectives writing about it. Right. Uh, we don't have the whole story, mm-hmm. but based on the conclusion, you can gather that it seemed like Jesus was doing something intentionally, probably to teach his disciples something or to teach those around him something. Uh, but yeah, it, it seems weird at first that he would he wouldn't respond to her. He he was present. He doesn't shoo her away. Uh, both Matthew and Mark seem to suggest she's she's persistent and continually crying out in uh, Matthews. So yeah, I, I'm not real sure why he, he doesn't say a word to her at first, but it does seem intentional to me. Well, I'm trying to think, are there other, the, the only other instance I can think of that I could try to come up with, we talked about this yesterday a little bit, the only other instance I can think of where Jesus kind of doesn't answer right away or doesn't doesn't act immediately is maybe in the case of Lazarus, Lazarus, yeah. and in his trial, he wouldn't answer sometimes. 
Right, but in that, that in that case though, that's not somebody asking for help. I'm talking about somebody who yeah, la- well, asking yeah, for, for somebody help. that needs help that needs immediate help. Yeah, Lazarus would be the first one. Not just uh, is there another instance that we could think of where he just ignores the person? Like he doesn't ignore him, but they ask him for a sign, and he's unwilling to give him one. That's true. Well, that's that's another instance, and uh, that's. That's a little different because that's Jews asking for a sign. Right. Not and they were a, trying a to Gentile. trick him, too. So. Yeah. 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 Well, I just think it's so interesting. Um, and and, and th- look, this happens, too, right? I mean, yeah. or it feels like it happens. I mean, I... Yeah, I made the comment that uh, his silence is not rejection. Because we think it is rejection. If yeah. somebody's not talking to me, they're rejecting me. Yeah. yeah, and obviously, like Jeremiah saying, he has some intent either to teach his disciples a lesson, because the, he has to get through to them too, or to find out how if this woman is just using God names right. to get relief for her daughter, or is she really wanting to know this Messiah so he knows what's going on in her heart too? Right. So it's probably yeah. a little bit of both and everything going. Well, on. Yeah, Blake. I mean, if somebody said, <laughs> if somebody said. You know they're reading through this and they're like, "Isn't isn't this cruel of Jesus? Isn't Jesus being cruel here? Isn't this mean of him? Like, how can you read this and say, well, that's not mean of him? That's, he's not being cruel. He's it looks like he's being cruel. It looks like he's being mean. Yeah, it definitely appears that way for sure. Especially if you're not like real familiar with like the Bible or anything. It, I mean, you can read this and one of the kids, even in my kids' mesh, could read this and be like, you're you're taken aback by it." And that's okay. And I think there's a little bit of purpose in that. Mm-hmm. So we can see the intent of Jesus. And whatever his intent may be, like Jeff said, maybe just to test her faith to see what's going on. And even with Lazarus, even Jesus's, uh, even Jesus's silence there, he gets blamed for Lazarus's death. Oh, yeah, Martha lots into it. Yeah, I mean, Martha goes absolutely. only been here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she knows. She knows. Yeah. If you had been here, yes. you would have healed him. Yep, and but we see that there was a purpose there. Yeah, and, oh, and overall, the glory of God was manifested. Yeah. through both of these. I scenarios. think that's important, and I'm I'm going to come back to. I'm going to kind of stick a pin in that because I've got another yeah. deep. I've got another deeper question about that, but I want to I want to move on through the story here. What's remarkable, um, guys, is after he has ignored her. Um, then, then he says. Then he, then he finally says, "Well, the disciples say, send her away," and he answers, presumably the disciples, and says, "I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel." So, okay, so now he finally speaks a word, but he's not really talking to her, or maybe he's talking to maybe she's in earshot of this too. But it seems as though he's answering because it says he answered her not a word. His disciples came and urged him. Send her away for she cries out after us. And he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, so um what does he mean here? Is he saying, is he saying, I'm I was only in my earthly ministry here, I was only sent to help out the Jewish people. And not I'm not obligated, I don't have any obligation whatsoever to help anybody else out except for the Jewish people. Because I am the Messiah, right? So my job is just to help those people. Is that what he's saying here? Because it feels that way. And also, maybe a follow-up question, was that a priority of Jesus? Like, was his priority only the Jews during his earthly ministry? Or or, or um, was it for all people? 
during his earthly ministry, or does that happen after the cross? That's where we that's have a to. lot. That's a lot of questions, I know, but I'm just throwing yeah. all that on the table there. And I think it's important here that we um, here is a instance where we have to interpret scripture with scripture, because um, if you look at the Abrahamic covenant in mm-hmm. Genesis 15, God says Abraham's going to be a father to all the nations, and which means more than just the Jewish nation, mm-hmm. and so obviously. That can't be what Jesus is talking about here just for the Jew. Now, he did come. The Jews were his priority because the Jews were God's chosen people and through whom he would bring the Messiah. Mm-hmm. But it was through the Jews that he would be a light for all nations. So his priority, yes, was for Israel first and the Gentiles second. But Romans actually says it's we actually should be somewhat thankful for the Jews' rejection because it benefited the Gentiles for our salvation. Mm -hmm. All right. What do you guys think? Jeremiah? Yeah, I'll just start by saying uh, we we might be making light of this, but this is actually a very difficult passage to interpret. Mm -hmm. So if you read this passage, you're like, I have no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. Jesus Jesus in some ways kind of looks like the bad guy. But I might take a stab here and say, at first glance, it seems like Jesus is quoting something, mm-hmm. if not quoting the Bible. But he's not quoting the Bible. You won't find what he says anywhere in the Old Testament, or, or he won't say it anywhere else. He's not quoting the Bible. And I'm wondering, and this is maybe more of a question, is he quoting the culture or what people think he's supposed to be doing. Mm, okay. And, and he's only outside. talking to the disciples with this question. I don't think he's actually in her presence right now. And one of the reasons I think that is because this, this particular statement is not in Mark. Oh, it's okay. in Matthew, but it's not in Mark. Okay. And it seems like he's only talking to his disciples right. or maybe Although Matthew has maybe more a of a, like, a, like a Jewish emphasis, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, a, a lot of times. And... Uh, so what Blake Blake's point is good. We need to interpret what else is going on uh, in the scriptures to help us understand this one, because other places, uh, in particular Luke four, early in Jesus's ministry, he he debunks this idea that I'm only here for Jews, mm. uh, and that's where he quotes. Uh, he talks about Elijah, um, and uh, there was a lot of uh, sick, widowed people in Jerusalem, but Elijah was sent out to, uh, I can't remember uh, what the country. Yeah. yeah. He was sent out to help the other widow who wasn't mm-hmm. Jewish. Right. right. And Elisha's the same story. There was a lot of lepers in the land of Jerusalem, but he was sent out to... Uh, was it Naaman's yeah, servant? Naaman's yeah, Naaman's servant who wasn't a of the people of God. And Jesus used that to show that while salvation was for the Jew first, it's not limited to the Jews. Right. It's, it's salvation is for all. And so we know Jesus in other places promotes an idea that he's not just here for the Jews, but that, I don't want to say Jews have priority, but they were first. They had initiative, I guess you could say, uh, that, that they had the revelations and the scriptures and the prophets first, but now uh, it, it, time has come where uh, like Romans says that that is God is God only the God of the Jews? Well, no, He's also God of the Gentiles. Right. So, so are you saying that He's saying this in almost a sarcastic way? Yeah. I mean, like, is that like in jest or sarcasm or I know you're reading a little bit into that, but it that's the only thing that seems to make sense to me because He's been so clear elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And it might have been the 
that he's getting at the motive of the disciples. Like, yeah. just heal her, heal the daughter, and send her away because they know you can do that. Yeah, he's right. already done it before. Mm-hmm. And so, he, in in your case, I think the guy was more of a, a proselyte, right? Who the the, the centurion, centurion? The centurion didn't build a synagogue. He or does. The so he was more of a god, right? But she's obviously not a god fearer, right? Um, she just but but so she's she's quoting. You know messianic titles mm-hmm. in her desperation, right? And so they're hearing this, and so I, I think this is more to their motive, and this probably is a cultural thing. Like the Messiah has come from for our, he's come to be our shepherd, and they all probably probably thought of themselves as as not lost, right? And Jesus has to remind them over and over and over in in ways of that their lostness, right? So, um. And I think the woman was close enough to hear the conversation because well, that, that would make sense when she comes back with her retort. Right, because 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 her and then the, the next thing after he says that is she, she comes wor- and worships. Right, and that's what I was going to say. What and and you know, so he makes that comment, and whether she heard or not is like her. He he hasn't. He still hasn't answered her specific request. No. And instead of her being frustrated, or instead of her just giving up, or being angry, she does just the opposite of what we would expect as she comes and worships him. And then she says, Lord, help me. Yeah, like, think about it. He didn't answer her. Right. Now his disciples are actually praying to him, saying, do something, get rid of her. She's dry. He's not answering them either. Right. In the way that they want their prayer answered. No. So having this inside you know, being on the inside does not necessarily mean God, Jesus is going to answer all your prayers the way you want them. And mm-hmm. I think that's why I came up with that idea of even though her prayer was answered, she still worshipped him. Yeah. And I think in our case, a lot of times, my kid doesn't get healed. I, I lost my job. Uh, you know, these bad things happen, and then, then it happens, and our prayer didn't get answered. Am I going to come and worship Jesus, you know, right after that happens, or the next Sunday, or the, you know, or am I going to say, I'm done with it? Well, let me just go ahead and ask this because this is the question I had. Um, we know the end of this story is that. And, um, we'll, let me jump forward to the end. We'll come back at the at the end of this discussion. We'll 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 talk about the 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 the, the probably the most controversial part of this whole yeah, passage. Yeah. But let's just jump to the end of the story here. We know the end of the story is that he's going to recognize her faith and he's going to heal yes. heal her daughter. And I'm sure that had a profound impact on her. But let's go back to this unanswered idea. What if he hadn't? What if he hadn't healed her daughter, right? Mm. What if he had recognized her faith but still hadn't healed her daughter? Um, does that make him any less Jesus? Does that make him any less? Um, does that make her faith any less? Because I think I think there's a lot of people who just sort of dovetailing off of what you just said. My prayer doesn't get answered, or it doesn't get answered in a way that I think it should. Therefore. There's either something A wrong with my faith, or B wrong with the God, wrong with my God, right? And I don't know that that's necessarily the case. You know, we, the Bible clearly. I mean, I, I can't, I couldn't think of any instance. Maybe you guys can, of where somebody came to Jesus, asked for healing, and he refused, or he didn't do what what they asked. Like he just didn't heal, um, d- didn't heal them. Like I said, Lazarus maybe, but ultimately he does. I mean, he brings right. him, brings him to the grave. But there had, you know, could there have been an instance where maybe he didn't heal this person? 
or you know, he didn't answer this particular prayer. Not that he wasn't able to, he just didn't do it. Um, I don't think so, because I think the Bible probably would have pointed that out, because most of the time, if that's the case, he's doing it for a reason. Yeah, the process right? it comes to him when he, the comments made about he couldn't do many miracles there because of their unbelief. So it wasn't necessarily he wouldn't do the miracles or couldn't do the miracles, just the people just didn't, they didn't believe or they didn't well, approach they weren't him, coming to didn't him, ask right? him, yeah. yeah. Which is kind of really a sad commentary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good question because that's what we face more than we face more that what we wanted didn't happen as opposed to right. So happening because you do hear the miracle stories and all this stuff, and we've got plenty of them to tell from the pandemic. But there are stories too that Mama still died and uh, Grandpa still. You know, had this thing happen, and all these bad things still happen. But but the people it happened to still worship. They still worship, even in the midst of the tragedy. Yeah. So I think it's a way of helping us w- with our faith as well to say, you know what, to add that question. You know, yeah, it was a good story for her. Her her kid got, but the real miracle I think was that she got. She found out who the Messiah was for herself, yeah, which I, is the ultimate right miracle. Out of yeah, it. and I'll, I'll I'll get to that at the very end too. But I, I just wanted to touch on that just a little bit because yeah, I mean, to even hard. go to even go back to our to what I said about you know we don't have a lot of demon possession, but we have a lot of mothers who have children in desperate situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could think of plenty of moms who've spent you know who've cried cups of tears at the altar, begging for their child to be released from addiction. And it never happens. Right. You know, they're they're you know they they might die from an overdose. And so, does that make Jesus any less Jesus? Does it make God any less God? Does it mean that Jesus doesn't love you, uh, but He loves this person over here that gets healed, or that your faith wasn't strong enough, Mom? You didn't cry enough tears, Mom. You didn't do enough on your end, Mom, for Jesus to do the healing that 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 you were asking. Well, and that brings up the point too about the prosperity healing gospel, where right people always have an out. Well, you didn't have enough faith, or if you had great faith like See, this woman, well, whereas it's not really the woman's faith. He committed her faith, but it's still Jesus and His power and His sovereignty that decides. I'm gonna, I'm gonna grant her right. Her, but you could easily see, guys, where and then that gets the faith healer off the hook. Then right, you could easily see where someone from a prosperity gospel or faith healing perspective would point to this passage that we're talking about here. Well, they go passages. <laughs> right, right. But, but or they would use, yeah, they would use it like, they would use it in the bad part saying, you don't have great faith. Right. And there's only two mentions in the Bible of somebody having great faith. Right. So that's not like, if there was a thousand mentions of great faith, then maybe they would have an argument. Yeah. But anyway, at, at any rate, um, I, I think the, 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 the thing here that, that's, of note is that the woman continues to worship. Yes. Yep. And she, she worships him. Go ahead. And to add on to that kind of like name it, claim it, prosperity kind of gospel idea we're talking of, I think of, I really can't help but to think of uh, the prophet Jeremiah. Um, you got you got a prophet who absolutely loves the Lord, even in the midst of, uh, even in the midst of preaching, his heartache, his depression, mm-hmm. he even gets to be suicidal at some points mm-hmm. and he says there's just a fire in my bones I can't quit preaching but this man had probably one of the toughest ministries we see in all of scripture yeah he had, you know, a, he had, he had a lot of prayers that probably what well, you know Americans might say weren't answered right because um, you know he would pray that you know this would end or that would end or that you know the Lord could just either just 
smite him dead or strike right. him dead or anything, and he doesn't answer them. Yeah. And, you know, so I would I would ask that to the prosperity person. Uh, how would you interpret the prophet Jeremiah? Because mm-hmm. he's obviously a man of faith. Right. But God doesn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's 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 clear throughout Scripture and throughout our own human experience that God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want them answered. We talked about that a little bit last week even. Um, but I just find it interesting here that, that despite the fact that she's not getting the answers she wants, um, she continues to worship him. Um, and then that brings us up to the third point that you had yesterday, which is that they persist in their faith in Jesus. And you want to talk about persistence. I mean... He answers her. He, she says, Lord, help me. And what does he say to her? He says a, a, a quote that honestly, again, if you're, if, you're, if, if you're new to the Bible, if you're just kind of opening up the Bible, you run into this passage for the first time, you read this and you go, is this the Jesus I'm supposed to worship? This guy who seems to be making light and actually insulting this woman? Because what does he say? He says, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs, right, Um, is the NKJV version. And so it sounds as though Jesus is saying, you know, I've come for the lost sheep of Israel. It's not good for me to take what what they have on their table and give it to, to, you know, some animal. Uh, and, And that animal being this woman, right? That's what it looks like on the surface, Jeremiah. And I know... I know you've 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 done a little bit more. You've done a little study on this too, because there are clearly progressive progressive people who take this and go, Jesus is being racist here. Yes, and and they 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 say not only is he being racist, but her answer, which is that yes, Lord, even the, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table, and then he answers and says, Oh woman, great is your faith. They you know there's there's people who you 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 were telling me about this. But there's people who take that and say Jesus is racist. This woman corrects his racism, and then he he uh, he uh, admits that he was wrong by saying "Great is your faith" instead of "Great is my faith." Yeah. So yeah, like it repents. Jesus repented of his racism. Yeah. Right. Um, but no, I think what's happening. To be clear, here, we don't believe that. Yes. <laughs> I think Jesus, by my estimation, and maybe I'm putting too much weight on this, but I think Jesus here is still being a little bit facetious. Okay. In his statement. But let's say he's just being literal. Um, so he is not being racist in the sense of talking about there's the Jews and their their ethnicity is more important than the Syrophoenician and her ethnicity. But rather, this is not about ethnicity or race. It's more about religion. Mm. And so that uh, the people of God were the Israelites. Those were the ones who were people of God, and they believed in the one true God. But then the Canaanites or the Syrophoenician woman or those that were from Tyre and Sidon and those regions, they were idolaters. Mm -hmm. So they had a separate religion. So for me, this is not about whether their ethnicity, their, their ethnicities were different, sure, but he's not in referencing her ethnicity or her color. In fact, some like to say that, that she was a woman of color. And I would like to say, no, Jesus was a man of color. Yeah, um, yeah that's a good and point. More likely, Jesus was probably darker as far as skin tone goes than her. Yeah. And that this woman probably looked a lot like his own mother. 
uh, to just be frank with you. So I don't think there's there's a matter of uh, race here, but more a matter of religion. Um, she she grew up most likely in a religion that was uh, a religion of idolatry. Um, and you kind of hope that she's not just throwing Jesus as another God in her pantheon of God. And that happens. That happens, right? That, that happens. We, we know yeah. the missionaries struggle with that all the time with people basically sort of this idea of... Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? Synchronicity, or what, but where, where you yeah. where you take the you take uh, my 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 soup of gods, and I just add add Jesus or add Christianity to it, like and it, it, right, and it, yeah, syncretism. That's that's yeah. the word I'm looking for. So, um, but anyway, the, this idea of syncretism happens all the time. So maybe you're saying that that's what that's what. Yeah. So, um, and he also doesn't use a derogatory term. There's two separate terms, and Jeff spent a lot of time on this, so I won't. There's two separate terms in the Bible. One's derogatory. I do not think, as my students, uh, I made it pretty clear to them, I don't think that derogatory term is the B word, uh, but it is a negative term for uh, 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 calling someone a dog. Jesus doesn't use that term. He uses actually a separate term, that most likely references just a house pet or a lap dog, a little dog. Doggy. Um, so something lesser than the children, obviously, but still kind of important in the family that get to eat from the crumbs off the table and uh, off the ground. So, um, yeah, that's all, that's all I'll say there. I don't, I, I don't believe Jesus is being racist. I don't think she corrects him and he repents of his racism. But I do think he's wanting to make a point that um, th- there's these separate religions kind of where we at on this spectrum of religions and and the whole idea is that all of us need to humble ourselves before uh, Jesus and who he is so is he saying then that it's not good to take the the children of Israel's religion and give it to these pagans uh, I mean is that what you mean when, when you say that yeah I mean that's what it that's what it uh, seems like at face level and that's where I think Jesus is still being a little bit facetious Um because Jesus, sometimes we, I personally don't like to say that Jesus has advanced knowledge or that Jesus right. knows the hearts of people. But I think in this instance, I think he he does have some heightened sense of, of where she's coming from and how she's going to respond right? Um, because of what happens next. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, by the way, on the omniscience thing. I think that sometimes the Spirit obviously gives him insight. Yeah. I, you know, in the same way the Spirit would give us insight if we're having a dialogue with someone. But I don't think he's actually omniscient and knows exactly what this woman's going to say. Um, but I think he has an idea of where she's coming from. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff did you want to add? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think still, I think he's speaking to the woman and he's speaking to his disciples. I think he's clear, I think he's trying to uh, help them see that his mission is broader. Mm-hmm. Because they, they're on the... They're on the boundaries of the promised land. Yeah. Okay. They're thirty. They they're twelve miles north of the Israelite border. Right. They probably don't want to be there. They right. would probably want to be in Jerusalem. In mm-hmm. fact, that's you know, until Jesus decides to go himself, that's really where they probably want to be, and and setting up the kingdom and let's rule this thing. Right. So I think he's still addressing um, their their mindset. And why are we why are we all the way up here now? We just spent all this time at Decapolis dealing with those people. Right. Now we're even beyond. So I think um, he's clarifying to them uh, because it is a table, mm-hmm. and 
So if you look at the, the, the if the, the land is the table and I'm beyond the geographic region, but she's, but if, and, and so he's like, yeah, it's not right for me then if I'm here for, for the people of Israel, then to give any of my blessings to anybody else. Why would I do that? Why would I take, take it from the children and give it to right. you know, a, even a house pet? Right. And that's, that's when she clicks on right. and persistence and says, yeah, yes, Lord. Like, okay, I'm a house pet. I'm a dog. I don't belong to your religion and your people. Right. But even they get to eat the scraps. Right. So I think, I think it was her persistence, but it also it was because Matthew is trying to get us to Matthew, the Great Commission. Yeah. So his whole thing is showing that, that Jesus is beyond yeah. The borders. And so he's got to deal with these disciples and their attitudes. And I think that's part of what he's doing here. He's yeah. not using the derogatory word, which is probably what they're thinking, mm-hmm. calling this woman that. Mm-hmm. But he's using a, a familiar household. Yeah. Pet. And if you, you know, you guys mentioned this yesterday. And, and uh, you know, if any of you have pets and have dogs, um, you have a responsibility to them. I mean, All you, people you, grieve when their dog dies. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, 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 a part, the they're a part of your family. Now, that being said, you know, I've got I've got daughters, and then we have a dog too. Um, and if if there was like very if there was only like a can of food in the pantry, you, you know, your daughters, you know, yes. I'm going to take care of my daughters yes. first right. before I take care of my pet. Not that I don't love my pet, but I, they got priority, right? Yes. They have they have priority, and I think that's what what he's trying to say here. But the woman, um, and even if he is doing it sarcastically, right? Even if he's saying um, that you're not welcome to the it sounds as though you're not at the table, right? You're not at the table, and she's like, "But you're, but you're in the house, right? If you're, if you're, if you're a household pet, you're not, maybe not sitting at the table, but you're still, we there's still a responsibility the house to take care of you." And that's why I was saying geographically, if you look at the land as the table, she's right there at the table, right? So she's not Spain, right? They're right there, and and the gospel is going to spread like that eventually. Yeah. What I love, what I love about it though, is, is she her response of "Yes, Lord," but even the little dogs, even those household pets, eat the crumbs yes, which fall from the crumb mouth. Of I don't need, I don't need the children's steak. Yes, I just want a crumb just of a grace, crumb a crumb of mercy, and and it's been my experience as 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 a, as a Christian that we talk about unanswered prayers, right? We talk about prayers that that maybe don't get answered the way we want them to get answered. But when we ask for that crumb of grace, we ask for that crumb of mercy that, that in, in reference to salvation, that's always given to us. That's never denied us. Right. And, and I think that's what she's got. I think it's what, what's going on here is this is this. And then that's why he turns around and says, a woman, great is your faith. And then let it be, let it be uh, to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. It's almost like when he says great is your faith is like, Looking at disciples, like, look, man, she gets it. Yes, yeah. You guys still don't get it, but (laughs) she does. She gets it. I'm not just here for the the people of the house of Israel. Right. I'm here for everyone. Right. Right. And like they just they just fed five thousand people before that. You know. Yeah. Earlier. So so it's like it's it's not like they don't understand. It's just they they just don't get it. Like. like they want to keep Jesus in the table and the food to myself. Yeah. Forget about my household pets. Right. When I've got plenty to share, you know. Right. And what what, what um uh going back again to 
these people that are in desperate situations. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, you know, um, that, that, uh, that, you know, maybe, maybe your prayer doesn't get answered the way you want, right? Maybe, maybe your, your, your child is still addicted. And you think, well, Jesus, God doesn't love me. But what God has done is he's given you the best that he has to give you. And it might seem as though um, you don't always get the thing that you want, but the thing that you need, right? That morsel of grace, that morsel of mercy, the thing that's so important, this thing that's eternal, right? That is offered freely to you, always. And 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 so... Yeah, there are there are there are prayers that maybe don't always get taken care of, and that's why I said if Jesus hadn't healed, if Jesus hadn't healed her daughter, mm-hmm. but He still recognizes her faith, if she still gets that crumb, she's still getting that crumb of grace and mercy, right? Um, but maybe maybe not in the way that she, uh, you know, had desired. Yeah. Now, of course, we know that the story is not that I mean, right. he he does heal her, as he seems to heal. So, like I said, again, I think he—I don't think there's an instance where he doesn't heal, except for and and after this story, they go back to Galilee. They go back. Yeah. So it's like you know, it's like he went there for that that one person too. So it kind of makes you realize, even if it's just there for that one lady. Yeah. There was a purpose for what he, in his mission. I think again, that's helping us see the Great Commission and. You know, sometimes it, it, it's just that one person that God's called us to, it's to so, go help. It's so easy, guys, sometimes to, to as Christians to sit at the table. We're well fed. We're well taken care of. We have grace and mercy in abundance. And then there's all these desperate people that, are, that, 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 that haven't made their way to the table. It's not that they're not invited. They're fully invited. They just haven't. And, and, and they're all around us. And we don't have the vision that, 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 G, that Jesus is talking about here. Well, like Delos Miles always said, evangelism was one beggar telling another beggar where they can find bread. Mm. Mm. That's true. We forget that we're beggars. Yes. Yeah. Right, right. Right. I mean, we forget that we're beggars. We're like we're like the beggar who who found the feast and went, well, this is good for me, right? I'm yeah. I'm just gonna yeah. gorge. Get me and my family, but I'm not gonna get beyond that. Yeah. So, yeah. That's really sad. It is. It is. All right. Well, this is good. Um, I, we're we're right at right at time, um, so we'll we'll wrap up here. I hope you've enjoyed listening this morning. Uh, take take this uh, take this uh, podcast, share it with other people, and uh, I always tell tell you here that you know let us know what you think. Um, if you enjoy this, uh, you know, or if you don't like it, <laughs> we will we'll accept all 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 uh, all uh, thoughts and comments on on. Uh, so you can just email us at rosbcpastors, that's uh, plural, pastors, at gmail.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we, we, we enjoy doing this and we hope you enjoy listening. All right, well, that'll do it for this edition of Money Main Point. Tune in next week for uh, yet another uh, run at this. And uh, until then, uh, God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.